it's a pretty good transition to theatres at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll let you introduce it. Mm-hmm. How it's a great initiative. Well, should I, I talk about it? Because yeah. that's the bit of work that Go I on, lead yep. on Claire's there. Claire's in charge so, of that. Yeah, oh, in charge of theatres at risk. So um, the theatres at risk is our way of raising awareness of those theatres most at threat and under risk across the UK. Um, And that can be a theatre that is already operational, um, but is it... operation is at risk um, we can see that it's coming into troubled times in the future or it can be uh, a vacant and derelict theatre building and it doesn't need to be listed it can be or in a conservation area it can be any theatre building um, but it, What's important about all those theatres on our theatres at risk list is that we believe every single one of those has a viable future at the heart of its community as a performance space within its community. So there is some community use and benefit of that building. So we've got 38 buildings on our theatres at risk list this year um, across the UK. So we've got, I'm trying to remember how we've got... uh, I think it's only one in Wales now, um, as we remove Swansea Palace this year. Uh, and there are three in Scotland and the rest are in England. Um, we don't have any in Northern Ireland at the moment. So there are four or five around Manchester? Mm. But, oh, there's a yes, lot, so. a lot in Manchester. There's a huge amount up in the northwest. It's our kind of biggest region of, of mm. theatres at risk, um, sadly. But, you know, there's some positive stories coming out mm. of there as well. We're working closely with a lot of the groups up there um, and seeing some really good progress coming out of that. So. And it's, it, it's you know, the, that cluster of theatres around Manchester is an example of those changing fashions in terms of, you know, going to see you know people going to see big variety shows and there's quite a few in sort of greater london as well kind mm. of in the kind of outer parts of greater london and we have to be creative about what they might be they won't always be a theater space because there probably isn't a demand for a large scale another large scale mm. theater you know so so is it going to be a music venue or in the case of Waterstone granada a comedy venue um in the case of swansea we agreed with the local authority that there wasn't really a case for another theatre. So we've agreed that they can that they can convert it into a relatively small, uh, basically offices, but with a very small community performance space. But importantly, that they they've done it in a way that can, that it can be reversed. So you have to be realistic and flexible about what you do with those theatres at risk. Not all of them will necessarily be what they were originally intended for. But hopefully, our, our main aim is to if then to have some form of performance in them if, if we can. Yeah, and there are a lot of community groups out there, all volunteers who are very passionate about those buildings, and they're the people who have really brought them um, to the attention of their local communities. And we're working with those groups uh, just to try and find that route forward, f- try and find that way forward, um, which is usually through a collaborative approach as well. And we, we really, we, we sit there as a critical friend for them, um, advising them, encouraging them, helping them speak to the wider community, to speak to the local authority, to, st- to speak with other key stakeholders, whether that's Historic England or whether it's key funders, um, just to try and get these projects moving and to try and find that viable new use for them. How do you rate a theatre that is at risk? How do you... You've got different we, credits. Yeah, we do. We have we have a kind of um, a rating system for them. So to be on the register, obviously the the building has to be 
at risk. Um, so that's kind of the, the first category, um, the risk to the, whether it's the building fabric or whether it's to the, the theatre operation. The second thing we assess them on is their uh, star rating, um, which is their kind of their architectural and historical and social value. Uh, so is it a really fine example of a theatre? Is it geographically unique? Are there other theatres in the area or is this the only one? Mm-hmm. And hence it's really, really important. Um, and what it really means to its community as well. Um, and then the third one is is the community benefit, which is how viable that is to be reopened as a theatre venue or as a performance venue or as a community venue so we score them on those um those three criteria um and that gives us an overall risk value for the building um and if they score above four points then they go onto our register i know there are some pretty important battles being fought for renovating theaters uh and it's it's incredible this well this one with Hume Hippodrome at the moment. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I hope, it, uh, well, first look, I hope it's going to be resolved soon. Mm-hmm. And I hope that maybe I'll get them for the uh, for high point. But is there mm-hmm. any, um, do you have any examples of things that have turned badly or the theatre has been renovated into uh, housing mm-hmm. development or not, wow. had to knock down? Uh, and like some really good success stories as well. Yeah, where um, it's there's been battles for years, and then you've because thanks mm, for the, mm. the to the theatre stressed or people in the communities who have made it successful. Well, I mean, Hume Hippodrome. Let's start there. But I mean, that's I mean, it's the most beautiful building. It really is. So quite... it get it also. I understand it gets legal at some point as well. So, yeah, um, we'll be very yeah. careful what we yeah. say about that. Yeah, yeah, no, we will be careful. Um, yeah, so a, a most spectacular building. It's in private ownership. Um, yeah. the, the exact ownership is still to be uh, properly identified. Um, and, and that's a difficult one because it's a building that's been unloved uh, by its owner for a, a long time and has fallen to a really sad state of dereliction. Um and we've been working with the campaign group there since um, the building was put up, well, was put up for auction a couple of years ago, which was the first time that anyone knew that the building was on the market. And it was at that point, the kind of actually who owned the building became a bit of a, a challenge. Um, and that's something we're trying to unravel with the group. And the hope there is always that actually what can be, what could happen is that uh, that the campaign group could come to some agreement and take on a long-term lease on that building and look to restore and reopen it and to sit it back at the heart of the community again or even to purchase it. Um, and so we're working with them um, and key stakeholders there to try and work a way forward for that particular building. And the campaign group would love to see that reopened. And mm. it's a building that not only has a, a beautiful auditorium, but it's it benefits from quite a lot of ancillary space as well. So it used to have um, retail units um, along the front of it as well, so they could reopen as kind of community shops. Um, and it's also got the old floral hall as well, which again could be, you know, could be an exhibition space, it could be, you know, restaurant space. There's, there's all sorts of ideas and and thoughts about how that that building could could change and and 
come mm. back to its local community. The theatres are connected to it as well. Yeah, one. and then mm. the Playhouse Theatre is built next door. So, I mean, the, the two theatres themselves were part of what was called the Broadhead Circuit of Theatres, which was uh, William Broadhead who, who took um, kind of theatre to the, the working class of the North. And he had a whole circuit of theatres um, around the North. And actually the only ones which survive out of his original circuit, which I think was 17 theatres, all of them are on our, our at-risk register or or a um, Hume Playhouse, which is next door to the Hippodrome, is one we watch. It's not on our at-risk register, but we uh, we do watch it. Um, so there's the Hume Hippodrome, the Playhouse, uh, Morecambe Winter Gardens was one of the circuit as well, although it wasn't built by Broadhead. He, he bought the theatre, um, also uh, Thameside Hippodrome as well. So, um, yes, we hope there will be a positive way forward for Hume Hippodrome. It's in a, a difficult situation at the moment, mm. but it doesn't mean... It won't be resolved. We always hope. We always we're always optimistic about these things. You've got to be positive and yeah, yeah. got to seek those new ways forward. Mm. I don't know. I, don't, I, I guess I'm going to touch very very briefly on the the negative before I talk about the positive and the optimistic mm. stories because we, we always want to talk about the positive. Um, so negative. I mean, one which really still hurts me is uh, the Futurist up in Scarborough, which uh, was a theatre built by local architect up there, Frank Tugwell, um, built in the 1920s. Um, on the outside, it was it had a, a kind of a pretty classical exterior, but internally, it was very Art Deco. Um, and the local council because of the positioning of the theatre right on the seafront, weren't interested in having it as a theatre, didn't think it was viable. Um, and they eventually demolished it and they were going to put a new entertainment park on the site and the site has sat empty for, gosh, five plus years mm. now mm. since it was demolished. But because of where it was in Scarborough, the building itself was actually holding up the cliff face behind it. So when the council demolished it, and the council did it at their own cost, it cost them in the region of three or four million or something to demolish the theatre. And all they're left with is an empty plot. And there was absolutely... That was a theatre that could have had... I would say a minimal amount of money. It was it still would have cost to do it up, but it wasn't in bad condition. It wasn't in poor condition inside. It, it did need a, a bit of alteration and extension to it, but something that was, you know, if they'd spent that three or four million, they could have got a really decent theatre back. So that always cuts me. <laughs> and I really wish that hadn't happened. But, you know, sometimes you, you have to to accept these things and, and it's unfortunate and we move on. And then we've got Dudley Hippodrome, which is sadly will be a um it's looking like it may be a similar situation where the council don't really want the theater and would like to see uh well have plans for a new university hub to be built on the site and so at mm. the moment they're doing a soft strip internally on that theater to remove asbestos and to ready it for demolition okay um, which is really sad. What we've managed to do there, though, um, although we've been fighting the demolition and we still don't believe that that's the right option, we have managed to um, get a recording condition on the theatre building. So um, we've had uh, experts from uh, Oxford Archaeology, Archaeology Unit going along and taking photographs of the interior of the theatre, taking dimensions of it. Um, and that will be displayed um, on the council's website as part of a kind of a history of Dudley. Um, so everybody can see what 
used to be there, what the Dudley Hippodrome used to look like, what it used to be, and sort of be uh, there alongside historical records. So I think where we, where sadly theatres are lost, if we can persuade people to do that historical recording, at least it's still there in people's memories and people can see what used to be. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are the sad ones, the, <laughs> the, the not such happy stories. Mm. But, you know, on the positive side, if we think back to some of the... Uh, the theatres are um, up in the northwest. Um, Morecambe Winter Gardens. I mean, that's a brilliant success story. Um, still has a, a way to go, but um, things are looking really uh, bright and very positive there. So that's um, a theatre that was part of a larger Winter Gardens complex right over on the coast in Morecambe. It used to be called Bradford of the uh, Bradford of the Sea, I think it was called. Oh, Bradford right. on Sea yeah, at the time, because everybody from Bradford used to travel out that way to, to go holidaying in the times when people used to holiday in uh, British seaside resorts. Um, but an absolutely spectacular theatre. I'm really... Um, uh, a really kind of extravagant um, internal fit out um, yes no cost spared there to fit it out you're walking through the most beautiful uh, ceramic tiled foyers um, beautiful crafted timber uh, screens with um, uh, stained glass in them and then when you walk into the spectacular auditorium with the barrel vault ceiling it really takes your breath away but yes you know seaside towns fell into decline and uh, the winter gardens likewise fell into decline um the whole complex was eventually bought by a developer and the winter gardens ballroom part of it was demolished and the theater was sat and left standing alone um saved because of a local campaign group who um you know valiantly fought to make sure the developer didn't flatten the whole lot but with that, when they demolished the ballroom next door, they also demolished all of the ancillary facilities for the theatre. So all of its toilets, its heating system and everything that was sat next door in the building. Um, the friends eventually uh, managed to get the freehold of the Winter Gardens Theatre in 2006 and have been slowly trying to restore it ever since. And it's a really long-term game, this long-term journey for all of these friends groups. And... Fast forward to ooh, 2017, 2018. I mean, it's a building that's been on our at-risk register ever since we, we first started the register. Um, and we have been there as a critical friend all of that time since you know 2006 and even before then, um, trying to encourage and trying to help the group wherever we can. And we're now at a real turning point in its future. Um, we were able to offer them a bit of help and support through our Theatres at Risk Capacity Building Programme. Um, and that gave them some governance um, advice and support and helped really strengthen their organisation. Um, and from there, things have really started flowing. It's enabled them to appear more, um, that kind of strength of organisation um, has given them a bit more credibility with local stakeholders, with the council, with Historic England, um, and has helped them go out and secure funding. And they're now at a stage where... Um, They've spent over, or they've managed to raise over one and a half million pounds worth of funding in the last couple of years, restoring the magnificent ceiling in the auditorium. They're in a much, much better and much stronger position and moving on to the next stage in their project. Um, Eden of the North will be on a site which is virtually opposite the theatre, which brings its own economic benefits, whether it means gentrification of Morecambe is, a, is another question. Mm. <laughs> we'll wait and see on that one. But um, yes, the whole project is looking up. So from when the Friends Group first took it on in you know, 
early 2000s to where we are today is a very, very different story. And we've been there all the way through helping and supporting and, and maybe being that person they always turn to you know they'll pick up the phone and, and phone us up and say help we're not quite sure what to do here mm. what can we do can you give us some advice or where can we go for this support um yeah it's been a really gratifying story and we're you know really excited to see the final results you're a very good storyteller <laughs> <laughs> um, they take a long time these projects as you say do. Morgan being on the list since what 2004 was it uh, 2006 when Six, we first started right, the list yeah. but yeah we've um, been aware of it since when you know and then. i think that's the challenging thing these are not quick fixes they they take years and years and years to build mm. momentum and uh support and raise the money um uh and so you know we're we're not going anywhere we're in it for the long game so we will be there um, uh, all the way through and when i first started the trust i wanted to work out what how, how you know is it worth this, all this effort? Mm. And I counted up that we have saved uh, 80 theatres in the last, uh, what, since the list began, which was when, 2004? 2006. Six, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know why yeah. I say four, six. Yeah, so what's that, 17 years. Um, so, yes, there are some horrible losses like The Futurist and, and, and others. Um and, and, and yes, some of the theatres on our list still looking pretty dodgy in terms of their future. But, you know, enough of them get saved for mm. it to be worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, and I think we talk about success stories, you know, Burnley Empire is another mm. one that, you know, when I first started the Trust, everyone was going, gosh, if we don't do something about that soon, that's going to fall down. And uh, we help support the local campaign group there in acquiring the building. And they now own that theatre. Yeah. And they are slowly restoring it. And if you look at it from the outside, or even if you go inside, you still look at it and go, my goodness, this is a dilapidated building. But actually the amount of work they've done in clearing and stabilising it is quite phenomenal. And there's there's still an enormously long journey ahead. But there's been enormous gains as well mm. from where it was. Um, mm. It's really quite quite amazing and a great success story for that particular group as well to be brave enough to take on a building which is kind of crumbling and and dilapidating in the way it was that they weren't no we will take it on we're mm. going to do this we're going to fundraise and we're going to do something for Burnley um, and that's really, also part of the challenge it's you know uh, um, if you're a hard-headed economist or business person and you look at a pretty good city centre site you can see the pound signs if that site was uh, uh, accommodation was 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 flats or if it was offices, um, and so that's why the, the the arguments we were talking about earlier on about you know the the impact the 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 placemaking the kind of social and well being and economic impact of theatres is really important to make because the the uh, it's it's counterintuitive people don't think about all those things when they think about theatres, um, and so. It's tempting to, you know, for developers and also local authorities to go, that's a dead loss. Mm -hmm. That's nothing but a drain on our town and our city. Let's let's redevelop it. Let's turn it into something else. Mm. Um, and so those, that's what we're, you know, part of what we're about, both in terms of individual campaigns, but also in terms of our wider advocacy, making the case for why investing in a theatre, even in, in these tricky times, is worth it. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's the other argument you, or the... Or, or the other flip side of the coin is kind of talking to those campaign groups and saying the reason these councils can be 
cautious and maybe not jumping in going hurrah someone's trying to save the building this is great is that councils are always wary that they may have to pick up the cost of it that if you know Mm. a friends group Mm. come in and start developing a building and then yeah, they fall foul and they can't continue it, then do the council have to then come in and, and rescue it? And no mm. council has got the kind of funding to do that. So we do talk about have a really collaborative approach. Mm. Talk to your council, speak with them other ways they can offer you support. They're not always going to give you the money. Mm. No council's mm. really going to... It's, it's quite unusual. There are some really great councils like, the, you know, Waltham mm. Forest mm. And, and Stockton and Chester Storyhouse. Mm. Um, but many councils just don't have the cash that they can inject into it. But they mm. can be supportive. They can give you the political support. They can give you case officer support, such as they're doing down at Swindon Mechanics Institutes, where the council are really a key stakeholder in that project. And they're giving a lot of um, case officer time to help kind of drive that project forward. So there are different ways that councils can help and support um, campaign groups and they'll mm. help them on their journeys for their buildings. Actually, going back to the money, I mean, you're right. It doesn't always have to be about money. Uh, there's all those other ways that you described. Mm-hmm. But councils uh, are, are in a unique position that they can borrow money at a much more favourable interest rate mm-hmm. than the rest of us can. It's called the Public Works Loan Board. Um, it sounds like it was founded in the 1940s or something. It sounds very kind of utilitarian. But essentially, they can borrow mm-hmm. at, at preferential rates. Um, and big theatres you know, big 800, 1,000, 1,200-seat theatres are commercially viable in the right market. Mm. Um, and so they can pay back that loan over time. Mm. So that's another way. You know, the, the council has got to be prepared to take the risk mm. because obviously if the loan, there was a default on the loan, it would be the council that would be liable. So understand why councils don't jump in. But councils get a lot of things built that way, mm. uh, including refurbishing old theatres by, by taking out public works. Yeah, loan board loans yeah Bradford Odeon yeah. are doing that so again one of the, our old theatres at risk was removed from the register a few years back now and is part way through a major capital works project um, and that's a beautiful great big uh, 1930s Sydney variety I think it was like the third largest or the largest theatre outside London when it was first built or um, it's an amazing great big span across the auditorium space um, but yes in order to get that across the line actually the council are giving a loan to Bradford Live so that's part of their kind of funding package on that um, and that's going to reopen as Bradford Live which is a, a live music venue run by the NEC group and that's due to open in about a year's time as well so very exciting you should go up and see that too <laughs> well I'm going to um... After hearing all this, all the case studies, I need to do, well, obviously, tour of the whole of the UK <laughs> to have an episode on each single place, which is, which would be great. That would be a great idea. Um, yeah, that's my goal. Honestly, going around those those buildings and talking to the local community groups who are, who are refurbishment, they're so passionate and they they've they've got so many brilliant stories about you know multiple generations going there mm, and people yeah. meeting and getting married and you know all sorts of amazing you know it's it's the social history of these buildings as well as the yeah. kind of architectural and cultural history of them yeah. as well actually with bradford there's a really good exhibition at the moment that they've got on um in a building next door which uh, shows the history of the venue um and they were the on the Beatles' first ever UK tour, they were the first venue on that UK tour. Mm. So they've got a whole load of Beatles memorabilia in there. Great. So, yeah, no, lots of 
great stories. And you can do a nice little trip, actually, Mark. You can start off in Bradford, get the train across to Burnley, and then get over to Morecambe. So oh, you can get all yeah. three of those theatres we've just spoken about. <laughs> I have to get in touch with all these people. <laughs> <laughs>